0: This is Out of Bounds. This is Out of Bounds. We back. We back. We had a week off, but we back. Travel, you know how it goes. It's to the... Yeah,
1: how the heck did you end up once again at the wrong airport?
0: That wasn't the wrong airport. It just... My trip got extended by a day. That's just how things typically go. I knew I ended up at the right airport, but it was in a different city. So welcome to Out of Bounds, your home for the weird, wacky, and wild in the sports world. I'm John. That's Mia. We have a fun day ahead of us here as we discuss all things deportes for you. Mia, you're looking very Trevor Lawrence right now. Is that the vibe you're going for?
1: Uh no, this was actually because I leave for vacation Wednesday. But tomorrow I have a lot of things going on. So this is my dress down day. Um, this is actually the touchdown, the official Touchdown City shirt. I believe I may be the only person not on the roster that has one of these. You got to know the right people. They're made of Chinese silk, I am told. Um, I think it's actually just a special dry fit. Um, but yeah, and then this is just repping the boys bold city dtwd originals because i love shopping local as we all know um and then i have jorts on because apparently i have reached peak floridian but then i rocked some slides so yeah peak floridian vibes today um because i can't dress down to tomorrow before i leave for vacation so i said i need a dress down day
0: where's vacation
1: Oh, the great state of Iowa, but of course John Alba, as well of as a uh, some time in Chicago too. Um, so no, I, I have a wedding, and so we're going to make a a week plus out of it, or a week out of it. So uh, very excited to return to the homeland. It's, not um, your home. it's my second homeland. Uh, that's why I refer to it as the homeland. New Jersey is my home. The homelands are Ithaca, New York, and I'm half-ass convinced
0: Iowa. that you think you're from Iowa
1: no i'm not. it's funny, people think I am, and I have to say no, I'm not, and I also don't do not have a degree we We just say I have a master's in partying um yeah, but I'm very excited to um indulge in cheese curds and uh my favorite breweries and uh uh pork chop on a stick and all the delicacies out there, and that is why as we get ready for the opening toast
0: on a stick.
1: um I am you're gonna get mad at me. I have to drink water, John because. I'm fitting into the bridesmaid's dress as of right now. I also fit into—you got to give me kudos on this one. Two pairs of shorts that I did not fit in a month ago, I now okay, fit in. That's good. So, so that's the—that's why the cleanse continues. I also
0: cheated yesterday
1: and had a donut. Um, so yes.
0: Okay, well, I'll give you the credit there. Credit, give you credit where credit's due. Uh, that's great to hear. It's good to be back here on Out of Bounds. And remember, folks, if you're watching this, you can join us in the chat by leaving a super chat on YouTube or you can go to kyonchat.com, leave your chat there, and we will read it on air for you. We like to have lots of fun here. We like to be interactive here. So we'll do our opening toast. Let's get a little ASMR because we like that. There it is. Um, Let's see. Two... Pork chops on a stick? I don't know. I, I don't. I don't understand that one. To but... the butter cow. Cheers. To the oh. butter cow. hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm. I'm almost at the seven o'clock line. I'm very proud of myself.
0: Can you ex- explain pork chop on a stick to me, real quick, here?
1: It's pretty self-explanatory. It's a normal pork I don't pork think chop- it is because
0: I don't think a pork chop goes on a stick H- how is a pork well chop- they
1: stick it on it so that it's easier, it's more accessible so you can be mobile and still eat your pork chop you it's a deep it.
0: Fried, is it a fried pork no chop?
1: it's it's truly a barbecue pork chop
0: so it's a it's a grilled pork chop
1: yep just on a stick that
0: they just yeah. stick a skewer in
1: yeah pretty basic honestly um I, I would say that the pork tenderloin that you're thinking of um that does not go on a stick and that is much more intense Well, no i know like- i know what
0: a pork chop is i just i'm Wrapping my head around it being on a stick.
1: Oh, yeah. Google it. Iowa State Fair, Minnesota State Fair, Wisconsin. They all do it, but especially in Iowa. So its yes. it just makes eating easier.
0: let see here. Looking this up. How about yeah, that? It is a literal pork chop on a skewer.
1: Yeah, there's a picture of my mother floating around. I'll text it to you of her eating a pork okay. chop on a stick.
0: Okay. Well, we're not doing that. We're going down to San Antone to see your boy Wemby. Wemby!
1: Now, now that so right nice.
0: there. That's a good-looking shot, isn't that, Mia?
1: Well, he's just so likable, John. Um, Victor Wembanyama, the first overall pick in this year's NBA draft, San Antonio Spurs, as you alluded to. Um, It looks like a great shot, but according to you, he did not impress in his welcome. Uh, He hosted a shoot-around for the media, which is pretty normal, um, to see him in a Spurs jersey in action. He missed every single shot during said during. shoot around. <laughs> John, are we declaring him a bust? Are the rims different in the he, NBA compared to France?
0: He's a bust. Call it right no. now. Heck no, yeah, this was, this was, this was, fu- it was just funny because this guy comes in as quite possibly the most hyped prospect since LeBron James. I mean, there's a legitimate comparison. Today to is the 20th
1: NBA. anniversary, by the way, of LeBron James' Which 2003 that's, NBA that draft. That
0: is crazy in and of itself, but, I think it's just so funny because you have that comparison made. LeBron, as we know, came out and was a stud right from the get-go. Wemby comes out in this no-pressure, super relaxed environment. Yeah, come on, just put up some shots for us. Let's see. You hear all these reports and you read these articles and you see these video packages about how he's the most complete player ever. He's been basically built in a lab to be the most efficient big man of all time who can shoot and put up and the dude shoots for more than a minute and a half and doesn't make one shot. I mean, I've, I've seen a lot of guys through the years, Mia, they come in the drafts and you're like, Oh man, that was a bad, bad omen right from the start. Oof. It's it's a little omeny, isn't it?
1: No, I'm not worried. Honestly, I, I think it's overblown. I think it's quite honestly, although this um, conspiracy theory, I do believe those videos that are surfacing out of Tampa, a Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask throwing, and they don't complete a single one. Um, I do think that that is actually real. Um, this, yes, it was real, but I'm not putting a ton of stock in it. Um, for what it's worth, Victor Wembanyama, he, first of all, he's going to find his way to the basket his rookie year. Second of all, even when he only averages, let's say 12 to 15 a game, they said from the jump that his defense would be what translates first and the length and the size and the fact that he can guard one through five. So am I concerned that he didn't make a basket in a minute and a half? Sure. But also like, I don't know, like, I have bad days. like I Yeah, know. it
0: is facetious. Especially the
1: pressure days. of all these media members watching you. I mean, it's I don't facetiousness. know.
0: Facetiousness. Of course, it's not a big deal. Of course, he's going to be just fine. But I think that it just reeks of, like, it, it'll be like, we'll talk years from now. If Wemby doesn't pan out, I'll be like, oh, remember we that. Have known. Remember that first uh that first day on the job that we probably should have had an idea. Listen, you
1: you brought Trevor Lawrence up. We can bring up Urban Meyer too. I first impressions are not always accurate. So listen, we all thought that we had a coaching genius here oh, in geez. Jacksonville.
0: I was gonna the say in Jacksonville. I was gonna say, wait a minute a very secular group because I and don't think everyone thought. I don't think for everyone. What it's
1: worth. We were like, oh, we love this power, you know, like how he's going to be a CEO model. So drinking
0: the Kool-Aid then.
1: Right, just like people are drinking, maybe, and that's what, to your, to your hypothetical, in jest, maybe that's what people, if Wemby doesn't pan out, that's what they will say. But for what it's worth, I also do cover the Prince that was promised on the foot, football gridiron, iron. And so I can tell you that Victor Wemby is the next Prince that was promised. I was thinking about it on my drive home tonight from work, just thinking about number one overall picks that have had this much hype that haven't panned out or versus the ones that have. You look at LeBron James. You look at Trevor Lawrence. Those are guys that we have been talking about since they were 14 years old. And just like when Trevor Lawrence, because of Urban Meyer, struggled his rookie season, you had to go back to, we have been talking about this guy being the best player in his grade, in his generation, since he was 14. He's not going to suddenly not be the best player if he was the best player in high school and the best player in college. And while Victor Wembenyama doesn't have that American-type hierarchy in terms of how he has progressed to this highest level of basketball, it's going to be the same thing. I I have no doubts. I would put big money on Victor Wembenyama panning out in the National Basketball Association.
0: I'm not too concerned. I think Victor Wembenyama is going to be the... Best player in his draft class. He's going to be one of the best players of his generation. I'm I'm really not too worried about it either. I I just find it funny because we hear all of these different reports about he was manufactured in a lab. He was he, he was. was he his dad was a tr- Olympic track he, athlete.
1: Mother played professional basketball. Grandparents played professional but, basketball. But he's, dad, a, like, he's a product of the breeders.
0: But he had this program that was specifically put together just for him to maximize different elements of his game to build the impenetrable player and you said oh well maybe the nerves of playing in front of a few media members got to him well if that got to him uh buddy you're gonna be out in front of 20,000 fans every single night very soon I I loved his interview
1: with his brother and sister too. I thought that was super awesome. Like the one at the draft, like where they all... Do you think he just
0: ate something bad? You you mentioned... uh, uh, Or he was getting
1: used to his new sneakers or something. Yeah, new sneakers or something. Yeah, or the Tim Duncan dinner. dinner Yeah.
0: He had Tim Duncan and Manu Ginobili. He had dinner with them. What do you think Victor Wembanyama ate?
1: I think he had steak for the first time, like a Texas steak.
0: Do you think that he had a pork chop on a stick.
1: No, because actually, no, they do serve them at the Texas State Fair. So there's a possibility of it. I just hold Tim Duncan and his um, personal food choices in a higher regard. So I would think it wasn't that I would think it's an actual pork chop, but they do sell those at the Texas State Fair, I do believe. So there's a possibility. Um, I want to know if he went to Whataburger because they're ready. They're ready to roll out that endorsement. The W stands for Wemby. So how soon until he he starts the in and out versus Whataburger burger fight in the state of Texas.
0: Well, I'm going to show you momentarily here because Wemby was not just busy getting drafted first overall by the San Antonio Spurs. He made a trip over to Yankee Stadium. Oh yeah, the day prior. And they don't
1: play baseball in San Antonio. It's
0: fine. Well, they hardly play baseball in the Bronx too. But uh, this yeah, that
1: is that we're going to get to. Don't worry.
0: This. This was the craziest thing that came out of it. Did you see this picture of him holding a baseball? Oh, yeah. Look mm-hmm. at
1: this. Yeah.
0: That is a baseball. A human hand. In a human hand. I remember I when I was a kid.
1: No wonder he shanked it. Like, if I had to hold a baseball like that, if it was that little, I would too. You
0: have to push it through your palms pretty You much. have
1: no grip on it.
0: When I was a kid, I used to have to grip the four-seam fastball with three fingers because I couldn't do it with or with four fingers because I couldn't do it with three. This is a palmful of baseball for Victor Wembenyama. We'll see how he does in his first season in the NBA. We still got a little time. He could be a future face of the franchise there. So why don't we discuss another face of the franchise? And that, of course, I'm talking about Dame. Damian Lillard could be the latest NBA superstar to find a new home. He's reportedly drawn a ton of interest from around the league, specifically the Miami Heat. There was a little rumor that he was trying to force his way to the Heat when he posted on Instagram a picture with the song Miami playing underneath it, and it was deleted. Real quick, he denied it, said it was just a coincidence. He's meeting with the Blazers about his future this week. He's long been viewed, Mia, as a potential homegrown lifer in the league, but are the days of the franchise player over in the association?
1: I don't think... (sighs) I mean, when I say
0: franchise player, I mean someone who's spending the majority of, if not their entire career with a franchise.
1: Oh, yeah. Like one person spending their whole career in one place. I think, yeah, I I think across professional sports, we're seeing the the end of that. That is truly the dinosaur. um, And not in regards to being old, in regards to being rare. Uh, I guess you could call it the snow leopard then. um, Because unfortunately, in this day and age where everyone wants to pad their resume to leave a legacy it requires often when if there's dysfunction in the front office or quite simply the timing just hasn't panned out that maybe you do need that change of scenery. So you can accomplish your ultimate goals. Damian Lillard has been a good soldier in Portland. He's trying to make it worse. He's, and that's where you look at him. And John, you're going to roll your eyes when I say this, Damian Lillard, Aaron Rodgers, very similar when you think about it, because Small market teams... No, no, no. Take take the psychedelics out of it. Take all that part out of it. What I'm saying is small market teams tried to make it work for the longest time. Aaron Rodgers did win it all in Green Bay, and that's where they defer. But the reality is both those guys stuck it out in their original towns that they were drafted by, the original franchise they were drafted by in a small market a lot longer than most professional athletes in 2023 would. And then the whether or not they are leaving becomes our favorite soap opera of the off season.
0: Yes. I understand the comparison you're making. I don't think it's apples to apples per se. I think that also it is a lot harder to maneuver around in the NFL when you're under contract. Mm -hmm. Whereas in the NBA, I think it's a little easier to force a team's hand to move you. I think it's a lot easier actually. A truth be told, especially just due to the well, different, especially cap because rules. of what
1: we just said, that this is the day and age of player, uh, you know, autonomy.
0: Well, it's a the different cap rules in the NBA. With there's a lot more flexibility there that you can work with, and B, the NBA is the superstar league, right? That that is the superstar league, and it is admirable that Dame has tried to stick it out. But I I do believe that we are probably on the verge of the end of the players with one franchise the entire time just because the amount of money that exists right now in the NBA especially with max contract stuff now the NBA does it better than any other league when it comes to giving the hometown team a chance to retain a player because the hometown team can inherently sign a player they've had under contract to a higher max contract than any other franchise can and I think that that does maybe give you a little hope that the NBA's could be the last survivor of this trend where a player might stick it out because they just continue to get big time contracts year over year with a particular franchise. But I also think we're moving in a direction now where we've seen it the past few years, where you're going to see more guys in the NBA signing short term mega loaded contracts, a two year, $75 million deal. I think that you will see more of that in the superstar driven league and for that reason, Mia, I think those days are pretty much just about close to behind us. The question then becomes: Do you see Dame actually being dealt? And has he earned the right?
1: Yes, yes, on both. Dame? Yes, on both fronts. Um, I mean, he's earned the right because he's made Portland relevant. Um, I think that he's earned the right because he stuck it out even after C.J. McCollum was traded. Um, he continued to be a good soldier. Um, he single handedly put the team on his back in the 2019 NBA playoffs and the 2021, correct me, or 2018. 20, 2019, for sure, the year the Raptors won. And then I believe 2018 and 2021 as well. Um, he's a guy that went to a small school in Weber State, um, a guy who's inherently loyal. Um, And I think the fact that he and his agent met with the team today before trade rumors of, oh, he's going to Miami, that were starting to be leaked. Um, I think that they're trying to control the narrative and have a good conversation. And so, yes, if you're going to leave on good terms like that, I mean, let's be real. the Trailblazers just picked third overall for a reason, John, Um, for a guy who's 32, 33 years old you have to recognize that he is approaching the tail end of his career while still in his prime. tail and, end
0: of his prime, I'd say. Not right, the tail but, end of his prime. Yeah. And
1: so that's where if you, know, you understand the service he's put in and say, I understand why you would want to do this. This is not LeBron James trying to get out of Cleveland at 25, 26 years old. Um, th- this is someone who stuck out most of the prime of his career, even with teams that were lackluster. And so I think if – If the trailblazers and him have the good working relationship, we believe they do, then they'll be able to come to that conclusion.
0: I wonder what is the best type of landing spot for a Dame? Because with the nature of his play and the type of teammate he is, it almost speaks to me, and this is where we could break the grounds of the traditional superstar, that he would be better suited in a well-rounded environment rather than one that is loaded with stars. Like I think the Brooklyn nets would be a better landing spot than say Miami. I mean, Miami is pretty well-rounded, but I I mean more. And again, hypotheticals, not that this team is in on him because they're not, but like a team like the warriors, a team like that, where they, they have a team like the Sixers, like, They have all these other pieces. I think he fits in in this hybrid role where he's a scorer. He distributes and he complements everyone around him really well. And I'd love to see a player like that win a championship rather than just coming in year in, year out, big three, big three, big three. I think that would be beneficial for the league.
1: Yeah, I mean... I'm just very curious of this whole Miami subplot. The fact that he brought it up on a podcast, and oh, because Bam's my dog, and that's great. Um, Josh Allen told me the same thing. Bam's his dog. That's why he's rooting for the Heat. Um, so Bam's got a lot of friends, evidently. Um, my thing with that is, to your point, like I just don't see a world in which him and Jimmy Butler can both play off the ball, and you can have an undrafted free agent as your point guard. Which, listen, nothing against the undrafted free agents, but you're not investing all that much capital in Gabe Vincent. He's not a superstar, um, and while certainly. All he is is really a facilitator outside of a couple of explosions in the NBA postseason. I just don't see a world in which those two could peacefully coexist. So I agree with your point. Um, that's why I was really upset that, you know, Bradley Beal went to the Suns because I I mean, potentially, well, certainly I think Devin Booker and Kevin Durant need to be scorers as well. And so who's your facilitator there? I think Booker at least kind of bridges the gap a little bit more between facilitator and scorer. I'm gonna have and to. Jimmy does.
0: Yeah, he's going to have to. Right, he would
1: have to, and he's going to have to now with Bradley Beal.
0: Speaking of facilitators, Mia, let's continue. Yeah, good
1: segue. Woo, oh baby, Chris Paul. Talk about people at the uh, tail end of their prime career, question mark. Chris Paul seems like he's going to get one more shot at the NBA title, John. A Larry O'Brien trophy. After a surprising trade from the Suns to the Wizards to the Golden State Warriors just hours before the NBA draft. Is this parody at this point with another team tra- trading for an aging star, or is there merit to having Chris Paul on the Golden State? And, Warriors? and when you
0: say parody, you mean parody, not parity, because I think that it is almost a—it's like a bit at this juncture where we see teams doing this all the time. You the man go- just
1: wants to get into the Hall of Fame and he thinks he needs this on his resume, John.
0: That's my take I, mean, I think it's more than him thinking he needs it on his resume. He's going to be a Hall of Famer regardless of whether or not he wins an NBA championship. But what player wants to retire knowing they didn't win the big one? You don't want to be part of that group of people, especially when you are as talented as Chris Paul and you've come close like Chris Paul has. He's been right there. He's, he has tasted it. He's been on teams that should have won and underperformed. And you could argue that he was a part of that underperformance in certain runs. Uh, But it is so funny how this seems to be something that teams love to run back. And they think, well, this person will adopt a different role and they will fit in. And maybe Chris Paul can do that. Maybe Chris Paul can adopt a little bit of a different role and give a guy like Steph Curry even more opportunities to score. We'll see if Draymond even comes back for the Warriors. But think back 2003 2004 the Los Angeles Lakers bring in Carl Malone and they bring in Gary Payton who are on the last limbs of their career. Not Gary
1: Payton Jr. Gary Gary
0: Payton. Because they're like yes we are going to bring in these guys. They have enough left in the tank and they are going to help us win an NBA championship and they made the finals. They did not win the NBA championship that year against the Detroit Pistons. I think that the Warriors, in their new upper regime, are trying to do something very similar here. And they think that Chris Paul has just enough left to be able to bring them over the hump of their shortcomings this year. But I don't know about you. I watched the Warriors this year and I thought that they needed a lot more than just a point guard. Yeah, I mean, I,
1: right. I mean, I watched the Suns too, and Chris Paul was plagued by injuries at different portions of the season. He also. When MIA in the scoring department at times. Um, and while certainly because you have the two greatest three-point shooters of our time on your roster, you don't need to rely on him to go get 25, 30 a night. At the same time, you do need him to be healthy, available, and physical at the point of attack, and I'm not sure he can be um, at this juncture in his career. I just more so look at this, John, not even from the Chris Paul ring chasing, teaming up with Steph. Vantage point, as much as I look at this and say, what are the Warriors doing? Um, They trade away Jordan Poole. Probably shouldn't have given him the Supermax. But then again, I think the the Atlanta Hawks are saying the same thing with John Collins, who they said goodbye to today. Uh, Based off one playoffs, you give someone $80 million. Not really sure that that's, you know, ideal business in in the case of both those franchises with those two young players. Um, But you look at how how few minutes, and granted part of that was the rotation that they had gone with throughout the course of the season, but how few minutes Kaminga played, Moody played, the fact
0: that James Wiseman, the fact that
1: James Wiseman, that didn't pan out. And so they they have not hit. Right, and so that's where I look at this Warriors team and I say, wow, you're really just going to throw it all, the whole thing, the kitchen sink at it, because you know that if after the next two years, it's probably time to fold it up and start figuring out a way to get back into contention with a different iteration. Um, they really tried to keep that core intact while building, um, and they just didn't hit. And so now they're facing a situation where they have the next one to two years, and then after that it's probably over, quite frankly. And then where does Steph Curry go to our earlier point? Does he stick it out in Golden he State? Stick it
0: out as he want one more championship by going to the NBA championship contending Oklahoma City Thunder?
1: There's a chance.
0: (laughs) What a world that would be, huh?
1: Absolutely. There's always a chance of it. Because like you said, I think that this is the nature of the NBA we live in now. It's player driven and the players have the power, which isn't a bad thing. um, But it's the same in the same, but a different vein to college sports where you better be rooting for the name on the front of the jersey because you can't guarantee the name on the back is going to be there for long.
0: Well, if you watched the College World Series yesterday, you were there for quite a long time. I'll tell you that, Mio Brian, because this game went to too-
1: It's the meme of the Simpsons. Stop, stop, they're dead already.
0: Florida baseball made some history yesterday. The Gators scored the most runs in a men's college world series game and came up one short of the record for largest margin of victory in a twenty four to four route of LSU that forced a deciding game three. Was this smart to go get that decisive win, or would it have been better to maybe ease off the gas a little bit here, Mia? Save some of your resources for the final game of the series. What say you?
1: Well, you can't predict baseball, John, and by far and large, the Gators did protect their resources. They only had three pitchers go in this game, so their arms are healthy, and that's what's gotten them to this point. I think they hadn't scored more than six, seven runs this entire College World Series, so... This was an anomaly, and I think it was a byproduct of LSU from the moment that the score got to 8-3. They basically said, all right, we're going to throw our young cats out there. We're throwing the towel in. We're not winning this one. We're playing for Monday. And Florida just took advantage of young pitching that was unproven and probably rattled by the fact that they came in with that score and that task at hand.
0: I still was surprised that LSU used six pitchers in this game, quite frankly, even if they were younger guys. In a situational, decisive, winner-take-all game, you never know how you're going to have to orchestrate those puzzle pieces together and where you need to get a single out by a player, and maybe there's a good matchup. I was really surprised in a blowout like this, in a game that was pretty much decisively over by the sixth inning, uh, that they went and used this many pitchers in this game. And, and you know, I mean, LSU – Man, I mean, the dramatic stakes in which they even got to the College World Series speak for themselves. But I I honestly don't believe this was the smartest management in this game. I I think that utilizing six pitchers in a blowout like this instead of just having someone throw, I I don't like that strategy at all. Would you
1: rather a position player throw?
0: No, I wouldn't have because then this game would have never ended.
1: They have enough but, pitchers. It's college. You have enough guys on the roster that you I mean, can it's find not, somebody.
0: You don't have to be pulling a guy every two-thirds of an inning every inning. You you don't have to be doing that, especially in a game like this. Get, get a little bit of legs underneath you. Use four pitchers instead of six. I know that sounds like it's semantics, but it's not. You know, As for Florida, there historically tends to be such thing as sometimes exhausting your offensive output. And, but
1: how do you stop it? Like, no, if you're hot and you're hitting, like, you you, you have to play the whole it, game, John.
0: Do a little half swing. Take some pitches. Yeah, no. do a No, you, you, you.
1: On their side, there's really nothing you can do. You just have to play the ball that's thrown at you.
0: Well, no, absolutely. But also, I think that, I mean, I'm looking at this right now in, in the box score. Langford got five at-bats for Florida before he was pulled. Uh, Their first baseman got six at-bats before he was pulled. Your your designated hitter got five at-bats before he was pulled. You're up substantially already. Get some of the bench guys in. I understand offense's fluidity, but I'm not a big fan of seeing guys get six at-bats before they leave the game in something like this when you clearly have an opportunity to maximize your output tomorrow. Rest them adding an extra bat to their repertoire is not going to do anything. Uh, Especially, you you never know, you always risk injury too, right? Someone gets hit and now they're gone for your championship game. Uh, But it was bizarre to see. And, uh, well, I mean, what's your general impression of the College World Series? This College World Series has actually been doing fairly well in the ratings. And now these are two household games
1: one of my biggest regrets, second Iowa reference of the show, one of my biggest regrets from when I lived in the Midwest, I never got out to a college world series. Um, Omaha does such a tremendous job. Um, I think it, this, the college world series defines it every year, but it definitively says that the sec and the ACC, that is where college baseball reigns um, with all due respect to the state of California and the state of Texas, um, which as is Texas will be joining. And Texas A&M is already in the sec. Um, I, I think that it's, it's a fascinating case study because you do have, you know, your Oral Robertses of the world, the TCUs that find their way in. Um, but when push comes to shove, who do we see at the end of the day? And I think it's telling that, and I did this earlier today, scrolling the Florida baseball roster, it is John at 82% floridian born players Mm -hmm. and it speaks to where the best high school baseball is being played the best you know little league baseball is being played and obviously it's by virtue of the weather largely because those guys can play year round um and they can train year round and that's what we see but it's super cool to see them all descend upon omaha and the, the the jello shot challenge and the 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 uh, the pageantry and everything else it's it's a cool venue and I think you know what's cool about LSU is they care about baseball I mean they paid their head coach a lot of money and they they fill up the fill that stadium every home game and so it's not a surprise to me that the entire state of Louisiana packed up and left and went to Nebraska for the week uh, plus, Also because it was 100 degrees here in Jacksonville today, so I'm sure it was a similar weather out there in the bayou.
0: Yeah, the bayou, it's not all that helpful. Unfortunately, this time of the year, you're going to get locked up in the swampiness, so why not head out, get some corn, see how things are going out in the Midwest? It is a great environment, and I'm glad that it's drawing well for TV because college baseball is great, and a lot of these guys end up translating very successfully to the majors when they play at the high-level and these great schools like Florida, like LSU. So I am certainly all in on that. You know, my baseball brain is all about it. My baseball brain's been getting quite the quite the exercise this past yeah. week. You know? It's been pretty fantastic seeing the newest trend. Why don't you tell us a little bit about it here?
1: Oh, I thought you were going to tell me about it. because yeah, I can. Oh, Are, I, I can sure, tell you about it. Let sure. me tell I, you about I it. Gotcha. you. Here so, we go. So the Immaculate Grid, um, it's a blank grid. Category specific boxes. It's like a pundit square, folks. Mm -hmm. You have to correctly guess all nine to prove your baseball knowledge. I had never done this until John told me about it 40 minutes ago. Yes. um, Which I will reveal my score from today here in a second. But, John, will sports fans truly go to any length and demonstrate (laughs) how niche they are?
0: Of course, we will. This has been, I I was so surprised that you hadn't seen this until I brought it to your attention because this has been.
1: I've been trying to stay off the internet on weekends.
0: It's been all over my timeline the past week. And I love it because it's true. Baseball fans and sports fans in general, there's so machismo, whether they're a man or a woman or anything in between, that they must prove to you that their niche knowledge of the sport that they love is better than yours. And we will go to extreme lengths to do that, Mia O'Brien, myself included. If you've been following the Alba brand the past few years, you know the hashtag Alba Overtime Challenge, which, of course, was done as a way to prove how niche that you could possibly be. Please name the most random player from your sports fandom. That's all you have to do. So, yes, an opportunity like this, the Immaculate Grid. It's been fantastic for me. I've been very, very excited. to. How did it. you do
1: on today's? So this
0: was today. So let me lay it out for those of you who are watching. Okay. So that first box means you have to name a player that played for both the White Sox and the Dodgers. This is the box next to that a player that played for the White Sox and the Yankees and the box to the third hall of fame in the White Sox, but you cannot have any repeats and you've only got one guess at all of them. So uh, how did I do today, Mia? You'd like to yeah. know. Yep. Here's how we did today. Oh
1: my God.
0: <laughs> so now for those of you who follow along and know the bit, uh, I absurd nineties and two thousands niche baseball knowledge. That's my jam. Okay. So, You know, it's easy to get like a White Sox Hall of Famer, right? Frank Thomas, probably easy to get a Brewers Hall of Famer and a 3000 strikeout career Hall of Famer. Those weren't too hard for me. Surely you all remember the time that the White Sox traded 2003 All-Star Esteban Loaiza to the New York Yankees, who I'm pretty sure, by the way, is in prison or at least was in prison for cocaine trafficking. Uh, for me, it wasn't that hard to see CeCe Sabathia and the Yankees, but you may have accidentally used 3,000 3, strikeouts uh, for CC Sabathia and the Yankees. So you could have potentially handicapped yourself in that, Mia. I just
1: sent you mine. I got oh, six out of nine. Yeah, I got six forward. out of nine. Pull it on up. We both had CC. We both had the big hurt. Uh we both have Randy Johnson but in separate places. I put him as the Yankees three thousand strikeout pitcher. So pull it on up. The
0: Yankees three thousand strikeout pitcher. Okay, hold on. I'm I'm trying to reform we also have
1: both had Greg Maddox and I should have put him for the Dodgers. I was shocked, John. How many great Dodgers pitchers have not not three thousand career strikeouts?
0: I don't think you're that crazy not to have put Greg Maddox there because most people don't think of Greg Maddox as a Los Angeles Dodger. Again, we're talking niche baseball brain here. Uh, that's just how it goes. And we love talking about nostalgia. We love talking about these sorts of things that remind us of a great time. Here's yours. I'm pulling it up right now. So, Mia, you, 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 you went over in the uh, – so wh- which one did you get wrong?
1: The LA Dodgers. It's,
0: so it was Dodgers. Who did you put? I put
1: Hershiser. I put Koufax. I put Clayton Kershaw.
0: Yeah, no, those aren't big yeah. strikeout guys, which is crazy. No. If Koufax didn't play long enough. That was right. his problem. Uh but yeah, uh you could have put Yosmanny Grandal for the White Sox and Dodgers. Uh the the one for me that was tough was oh that's the say Jeremy Burnitz. Yeah, that's Brewers and Dodgers. I remembered Burnitz playing for the Brewers. I took a guess, admittedly, that he played for the Dodgers. I lucked out on that one. But I love stuff like this Mia. Like, were you all about the wordle trend when it dropped?
1: Oh, all about it. That's why as soon as you sent me this, I was like, "Ooh, oh, I could play this. Yes. I'll be playing this every day now while I'm on vacation. This will be the one time I'm on my phone. <laughs>
0: I love games like this. Go check it out immaculategrid.com if you haven't done so yet. Uh, it is uh, a lot of fun. It's a good time waster. And it's always good to exercise your brain just a little bit too. Yeah. Alright Mia, you went to a UFC show for the first time ever this week. I and did. I would love to know your experience there. That is, Mia goes to a UFC show and is exposed to the world of combat sports. Please tell us what your experience was like.
1: Um, a lot of blood. Um, that was fun. Um, the, the prelims watch my terminology here. I've been trained. Um, the prelims were a little lackluster, John outside of Trevor peak, the freak who, I mean, he's just a backyard brawler. Um, he lost to a first timer making his debut in Mariscal. Um, but outside of him, I mean, there are a couple good fights in the prelims, but nothing too crazy. And then we get to the main card. And at this point, like we're building towards, which was the most newsworthy piece of this and why I was there. Um, Austin Lane, former Jaguar, media personality now here in Jacksonville, was making his UFC debut. Uh, He was the third of the five fights on the main card. So we're building to that. So the prelims are cool, they're whatever. And then we get Brendan Allen out of the gate, just by submission, puts on the crazy Alabama, Louisiana headdress that's an animal, running around the crowd. It was electric. Um, I was very like the, the cardio that these guys and gals have is off the chain. Um, the the fact that it truly is. And of course, you know, this from my tenure in the Midwest, I have such respect for wrestlers just because it truly is the one sport where certainly golf and tennis are individual sports as well, but it is truly you, your body, everything you have against someone else's will. Um, and it's incredible. So that was great. Onama was electric. Um, with a, t- a t- win by KO in the second fight. And we're building, we're building. The energy in the arena is a fantastic. We get to Austin, pokes the guy in the eye 29 seconds in.
0: That's See, that's the beauty. <laughs> I mean, it's beauty. And it's they like, called it
1: no contest. Well,
0: it's like that's the beauty, and that's the pitfall of any MMA show you go to because you will go and you will sit through 12 fights ready for the one that you came to see and it could end in less than 30 seconds. That is the unpredictable nature of any combat sport. I I remember the first combat sports show that I covered, it was like a 17, 18 fight card. I'm like, this is going to be a five hour show. We were in and out of there in under two and a half hours. It was great because everything is just like...
1: We did have a lot of fights in the prelims go to the cards, by the way. A and, lot. Like, almost some, all some of, do go of the two the
0: distance. Some do yeah. go the distance. That, that does happen. But it's amazing because you'll get a fight that gets stopped in the first round 45 seconds into it. That is the unpredictable nature of any combat sports, especially MMA uh, in particular, where you have so many different ways that a bout can end. And it can be a bit of a letdown sometimes. It can be like in that instance, you probably, you had all the air in you and then it was just, uh. it
1: was so anticlimactic <laughs> and you could tell for Austin, because here's the thing is so they train for months for that, they train for months
0: for that moment.
1: Right. And so better yet, I'll give you the backstory. So Tafa, who he was fighting flew all the way here from New Zealand. <laughs> so like, hello. And then Austin, they, this fight was actually supposed to happen in January, but he tore his bicep in training two weeks earlier. And so they had to postpone it. And then after they postpone it, as luck would have it, they end up announcing UFC Fight Night in Jacksonville, and he's on the card. And so he knew that as much as his training will serve him, and I know he'll do well in his actual debut, um, he knows it's not going to be in Jacksonville. He's not going to have that home court advantage, like truly. And that's a bummer. Not that you want to win just because the crowd's into it, but you do want to have that crowd support, and he will have that, I'm sure, wherever he wrestle, he fights next. But dang, just it just took the moment away.
0: That is literally every single combat sports show I've ever been to. It's just you, you go and you have huge expectations for something to deliver, and then it's just. I mean, yeah. that very seldom does the entire card live up to the hype. Let alone the one match that you came to see. In the first place. All right, man. we got one more topic before our Beast of the Week.
1: Yep. This, uh, this, this, one makes, this one makes you feel like bleh.
0: This is one of the weirdest things that I've ever seen, ever.
1: Yeah. So, an assistant women's bowling coach – yes, I said bowling, folks – at Stephen F. Austin is out after the university discovered he had a relationship with a student-athlete. SFA assistant Steve Lemke opted to resign rather than be fired after the school learned of the relationship – which also has led to a split from his wife, Amber, who is the team's head coach.
0: Wait, so you're about to read this quote. This is a crappy story as is, right? But what makes it fit our show is the statements from this coach. Go ahead, Mia.
1: I knew it was kind of a no-no, but there's not a rule saying it can't happen. There's not a law saying I'm going to go to jail for doing something like this. There's nothing in stone. I guess it's just an ethics code like we frown upon it but there's no rules there's no law broken.
0: Can you believe this man said this?
1: He said this on the record. Well and she's not was- 17 she's not underage. Well,
0: she was legal it was fine. I, like I, it was like very clear he was trying to like make sure that he could get a job down the line somewhere else like like I didn't do anything like illegal. Yeah, you're going to get a job
1: on a reality show, well, buddy. That's well, what you're going to get. Uh,
0: the the best part is that's not even the worst part of the quote. He <laughs> He goes, quote, I was the stay at home dad for five years with the kids while Amber, his wife, got to go off and coach the team. And when she'd get back, I'd run practices on top of taking care of the kids while she was back. He said when they travel again, I would sit back and take care of the kids. Then when I got hired on, she almost forced me to run practices. I was a volunteer the entire time before that, trying to help out Amber. Once I got hired on, one thing stemmed from another. I felt like I was doing too much for what I was being valued at. This guy is
1: insane. they signed a prenup before they got married? I still as hell
0: hope so. I, I mean, look, it's. Sketchy I didn't think I, that
1: being a bowling coach, Stephen F. Austin paid that well. Also, I didn't think practices were but, that intense.
0: But like, but like the way in which he's rationalizing this, he's like, well, of course I would have an affair with the player because, uh, hello, I had to sit at home and watch our kids. And then when I had the opportunity to come in, she got all the good graces and got to control things how she wanted. So why didn't I get to have any fun? This is one of the craziest stories I think I've ever heard. Out of this The headlines
1: story. were also fantastic, by the way. If you search Stephen, um, first of all, I feel so bad for Stephen F. Austin because now if you search Stephen F. Austin bowling, uh, it's, of course, the first thing that pops up. Um, or Stephen F. Austin in general. Um, here it is. The, the quotes are hilarious or worse. Where it was, there was like the, the first one that came out. It was something about a strike. Or they had, like, there were a couple really great headlines. Here we go. Bowling scandal strikes Stephen F. Austin.
0: These are just so great. I'm not making light of him doing something, you know, creepy. I mean, again, it wasn't illegal. It just was ethically wrong. Like
1: not Yeah, it's not ethical. You cheated on your wife. Right.
0: It's ethically wrong. But I have to make light of what a freaking idiot this guy is. Like for him to be like, just so you know, guys know, like I didn't do anything illegal. It was fine. Like it was totally fine. And the only reason I did it was because like <laughs> she would be on the road coaching and I'd have to watch our kids. So, so like, what else
1: was I going to do but creep on her so players that'll that, show that her on the trip?
0: That'll show her. I'll get back at her for that one. This was bizarre as hell. And uh it would win our beast of the week, but uh, it is a shortcoming for me. In Beast of the Week. What is your Beast of the Week, Mio, bro? Oh, you're
1: gonna let me go first? Of course. I don't want to steal it for steal your thunder.
0: Oh, you're not stealing my that. You're not taking my Beast of the Week.
1: My Beast of the Week is Ion Eagle. Finally okay. no, 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 no. awarded what he long deserved National Sportscaster of the Year, our mentor, our good friend. We broke the news on this show a few months ago when he was named hey. the next voice of the NCAA tournament, the legend. Uh, He will be honored tonight. I believe it's in North Carolina. I forget where it is. Uh, But he has been the New York sportscaster of the year um, six times, or one, two, three, four, five, five times previously, uh, but never national. Uh, He is, I wouldn't even say he's a star on the rise because he's been a star and he still doesn't get the credit he deserves. But hopefully now that he will be the voice of the final four, at least he'll start getting his flowers he doesn't care though he just enjoys it and has fun and that's part of why he's been such a great mentor and friend to us both
0: you know i'm always about the birds so kudos to you high eagle you've done all right kid you've been all right my beast of the week has gotta be hold on here i got a gnat on me ready i'm gonna get oh
1: this. that's fun. i just took care of some ants that were in this uh office my my home office
0: um so, the bugs they're attacking my beast of the week gotta be the cincinnati reds are we
1: oh illy illy de la cruz
0: Cruz, joey vato has he's
1: alive
0: he has he's alive and well he has risen a la miranda tate from the lazarus pit and he has come to be gotham's reckoning in cincinnati 12 in a row the reds won they are in first place in the nl central a team that was not supposed to compete at all packing the great american ballpark here when the boys this summer are the big-time headline. This is an amazing story. And they have an issue with that team that most teams would love to have. They have too many good young players. Where are these guys going to fit? They might even find themselves being buyers for a superstar at the deadline because they've got young players they could package off, which is not something that I think a lot of people saw coming. And they wouldn't have to worry
1: about them playing the same positions and who's going to play.
0: Ellie De La Cruz is awesome. I mean, awesome doesn't even do it justice. This guy has an opportunity to stand out as an immediate rookie of the year winner, let alone contender, and someone who has made more of an impact in a single season as a rookie than just about anybody if this team makes the playoffs. This is an amazing story. The Cincinnati Reds are my beast of the week.
1: And what's funny is he wasn't even on the opening day roster either.
0: No, I'm saying he got called up yeah. like three weeks ago. His first game, hits a home run. The guys, I'm amazing! He can hit, yeah. he can run. The, the, the Votto resurgence—it's amazing. This is a fantastic story. It's great for baseball. I hope they lean into it. And
1: I love to see the small market, medium mar- market teams make a statement. The Reds haven't been good in been a while, m- most of our lifetime. So very good to see. I also am surprised you did not pick the Titan as your Beast of the Week, but that's a story. I
0: mean, come on. We're talking people dying there, man. I'm not going to do that. Come on. That's morbid here. That's morbid. We're not going into that territory on Out of Bounds. That would, in fact, be Out of Bounds for Out of Bounds. But I encourage you all to make sure you tune in to Out of Bounds every single week here on the Know Your News Network. She's me, O'Brien. I'm John Alba. We will see you next time. Roses are red. Violets are blue. I click the subscribe button, you really should too. If you like videos about real news stories that are funny, stupid, or weird, subscribe now.